0: Perrenporth Beach is a pretty spectacular, beautiful beach, golden sand, a couple of miles long. The main part of Perrenporth Beach is cut off from the big stretch of Perrenporth. It is really popular for surfing, it is notoriously dangerous, but you also get very good surf there, so you will get really good surfers. Um, But it is a really, really beautiful stretch of coastline. Cornwall born and bred, lived by the coast my whole life. Um, my parents weren't from down here, so they kind of came down to Cornwall and set their home here. Um, with that in mind, they wanted me to be safe by the sea um, and, you know, be able to you know, get myself out of any pick- pickles um, if I got myself into any. So um, they enrolled me in um, a life saving. Clubs when I was younger and I used to go and do these sessions where you would learn how to um, be safe in the sea um, and lots of other different skills. So the bat caves are a notoriously dangerous part of um, Perranporth Beach. Um, if you're looking out to sea there to the left, um, They're not enclosed caves, they're open caves, but kind of gullied in, Um, and they're just very jaggedy um, and very dangerous, especially if a a swell is running in into those caves. Within the back Caves, there is a history of people getting um, into difficulty, and previously we've had fatalities... I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, you know, 16 years on, it's, you kind of forget how big it was, but actually it was a really big thing. So in September 2006, um, I was lifeguarding on Per Porth Beach. I um, had just come out of the water um, doing a bit of training on the RWC, which is a jet ski. And... Um, i just popped in to have a bite to eat before I went back out. Um, And a call came in um, over the radio and actually at about the same time from the Coast Guard, because someone had reported it, um, that someone was stuck in the Bat Caves. Um, So I was already suited and booted. So I um, ran down and there was a jet ski in the water. He was still doing a patrol. So I um, waved him in. Um, And he came in and we went to search the area. Um, So we headed round to the Bat Caves um, and kind of did a swoop to see what we could see. We eventually saw the surfer um, and he was stranded on a, he had managed to get up onto a bit of a ledge. Um, There was a big swell coming in, so it was um, an extremely kind of dangerous situation Um, and we decided that I needed to swim into the Bat Caves to kind of figure out what we needed to do and secure him and make sure he was okay. Um, So um, Chris O'Neill, who was the jet ski driver, um, took me in closer to shore so I could kind of prep myself with fins and a tube, um, a rescue tube to swim in, Um, and we then returned back to the Bat Cave where he um dropped me off, and I swam into the swam into the cave through big swell, you're kind of a bit amped and ready just to go um even though all the thought processes are going through your head of from your training and previous experiences of swimming through big swell and getting up onto cliffs and things like that um i personally feel like um adrenaline took over a little bit um but the thought processes were there but maybe a bit subconsciously in my head i was processing that i needed to um time my swim right so with the 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 swell ebbing and you know kind of ebbing and flowing and going backwards and sucking the the water back out i had to really process how to get up onto the cliffs, how to get to the casualty. I could see the guy so I kind of knew that he was okay. I think he was going through a bit of shock. He was um, very relieved to see me actually and I think visually when he saw the jet ski he must have been very happy to see us, Uh, maybe a bit concerned when we drove off to um <laughs> to put our fins and rescue tube off on but um yeah he was extremely relieved to see us he was he was in shock and he was a bit beaten and battered up i got up to the surfer and um was prepping him to say look i know this is really not a great situation but i'm gonna have to put you in a rescue tube and swim you back through the swell um to get to the jet ski so that's normally what would happen um, it was quite daunting because of the swell because it was so big um you know luckily i had fins so in my head i was like i've got a bit of extra power to get me through there um and you know i think we would have been okay doing it but for him it must he must have thought oh my goodness i don't want to go back in there um whereas my adrenaline was kind of like we've just got to get you through there and get you back to the jet ski um we had a bit of time kind of discussing it and I was prepping him to what we would be doing you know we would enter the water and I would make sure I had him quite close to me initially and then we would kind of swim try and get him through the waves um within that time um they, Chris had radioed to my other colleagues on the beach and they would agreed that the IRB, the insure rescue boat, would um, be launched and come and see if they could aid the situation. The IRB has a tighter turning circle, so it could actually enter the cave. Um, so the boat came in, um, kind of came close actually, and we kind of visually communicated between one another to say, that's what we're gonna do. They're gonna spin the boat in, turn it round. We would jump in. You know, I could kind of figure what was going to happen. Um, Amazing boat skills that the boys had driving into the cave um, and they timed it perfectly. So when they drove in, we jumped in and then they pulled us into the boat um, and then returned us to shore through the swell. For the rescue, we, um, our team were recognised um, by the RNLI. Um, I was awarded the bronze medal for gallantry. Um, the rest of the team were recognised with thanks um, on vellum. It meant uh, the world to me. It was a massive deal, but I kind of feel that I couldn't have done it without the people behind me. It was a team effort, not an individual effort, um, but I was completely honoured um, to be, to be recognised. Um, and I was also recognised as the first female lifeguard um, to, to receive the Medal of Gallantry after a friend of mine actually from Nuki, received the first ever um, Medal of Gallantry from the RNLI. and the Lai, so it's a complete honour. The only regret that's come out of any of this is that my dad didn't see um, me received by bronze medal of gallantry. Um, He um, sadly passed away eight days after I did my rescue, so he knew that it was a big deal. He knew um, he had seen the papers, that it was a big deal. Um, he, He knew that something might come out of it, but he didn't know what would come out of it. And, you know, lots and lots of things have followed over the years that have been amazing in, in my ally life. Um, even though I'm not part of the RNLI kind of family as such, I still have that link through, um, you know, through having my gallantry medal, but it is, horrible feeling not knowing that my dad, he would have been the proudest person honestly in the world to know and to have seen this whole process. Hello, it's Phil Coulter here. You've been listening to part of the RNLA's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. 200 voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.